I'm glad you're here this evening. Take your Bible if you would. Did I get that? I got that. I got that. I got that. Everything's everything's good over here. All right. This is gonna you'll you'll laugh at all that more when you hear the title in a minute. But Second uh, John chapter number one. There is only one chapter in the second epistle of John. Don't turn to the gospel according to John, but get all the way back there toward the end. Second John chapter number one. This morning we talked about the in crowd and that the crowd that you want to be in is Christ's crowd. And tonight I want us to consider another crowd. And y'all keep your hands to yourself and your pointer fingers to yourself. There's another crowd we're going to talk about tonight that you don't want to be in, and it's this, the losers crowd. Now, what I'm about to say, (laughs) thank you, Miss Sue. Appreciate that, but your L is pointed the wrong way. You gotta use the other hand. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of that, do you know what this is? Loser in 3D. <laughs> you started it. <laughs> now, here, uh, make this statement, and this isn't a popular statement, Certainly, and and you might uh, even take a little bit of, uh, well, you, you'll see a little resistance with the statement, but it's still true. You can be on the winning side and still be a loser. You say, well, how can that be? Well, let me give you another football illustration. The winning team still has players who from time to time fumble the ball. Players who from time to time fail to make the catch or miss the kick or, we won't talk about that, or get hurt and are carried off the field. Wait, even the undefeated teams have players on their team that would do that from time to time. So you can be on the winning team and still from time to time find yourself in that loser category. And I want you to think with me about this subject tonight Things you can't afford to lose. Things you can't afford to lose. And uh, so number one is your car keys. Number two is your wallet. Number three is your cell phone. For me, it's my notes. I can't afford to lose those. We'll be here until Jesus comes. If you all know me, you can't afford to lose Linda? Okay. That's, that's a good one. Okay. All right, that's good. Which is testimony time. Second John chapter number one. Let's read some scripture tonight. We're not going to read the entirety, uh, but most of it. So verse number one, the elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another, and this is love, 
that we walk after His commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard it from the beginning, or heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Things you can't afford to lose. Father, I pray you help us tonight. Some simple thoughts from your word. Lord, that are straightforward and that will give us strength and wisdom uh, as we walk in this life. Help us to draw closer to you. And I pray you'd speak to our hearts tonight, that you'd have free course uh, here in this place. Uh, Lord, that uh, you would just guide and direct as only you can. And of course, if there's one here without Christ, I pray that they'd see their need to be saved and receive your gift of grace tonight. Lord, we do love you. We're thankful for the privilege to gather here together. Thank you for these who are here tonight, now those that are watching by way of live stream. Lord, we think of so many of our church family that are just uh, unable uh, to be with us but want to be. And, and I pray, Lord, you'd work in their lives so only you can as well. Lord, bless our time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Things you can't afford to lose. Now, you say, well, that's a weird title to have right after Thanksgiving. Well, I can tell you what you can, well, I can tell you what I can afford to lose. I'm pretty bitter at the moment. Um, in the last, well, since I was sick there a few weeks ago, it seems that our scale has, uh, has now has a defect. Every time I get on it, the numbers get bigger. Now, I'm not very happy about that. Things I can afford to lose. There's some things, uh, there, but, uh, how much do you imagine a couple of toes weigh? I'm thinking I could probably live without a couple of them, you know. And <coughs> now let's talk about some things you can't afford to lose. Now, you understand with me tonight, if you're saved, you're sealed and secure. You cannot lose your salvation. That's not my opinion. That's what the Word of God says. In fact, look back at verse number 2. Look back at verse number 2. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us and shall be, what? With us forever. Now, so we know we're, if you're here and saved tonight, if you're not saved, you need to be saved. But if you're here and saved, you're sealed, you're secure, you're not going to lose your salvation. You didn't get it for yourself, and you're not going to cause yourself to lose. I'm thankful for that, I'll tell you. Right now, but there are some things you can lose and some very important things that honestly you and I cannot afford to lose. And I have six of them tonight uh, to give to you. So uh, just turn with me if you would hold your, put a marker here. We'll come back to, to Second John uh, there toward the end of the message. But uh, so I want you to be able to get back there. But turn to First John chapter 2. Just back a few pages. 1 John chapter number 2. And we'll look at the first one this evening. So six things I have for you tonight. And certainly there are more. But six things you can't afford to lose. Number one is this. Assurance. You realize tonight that you can't lose your salvation. But my goodness how the devil wants to make you doubt that you're even saved at all. 
So this matter of assurance, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, And hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. Now, you know that you can follow after sin, and you can fool around with sin, and if you're saved, you're going to lose your fellowship with the Father. There's going to be a strain in the relationship. In fact, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, 2 Peter 1, verses 8 and 9, the Bible says, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You understand tonight, you can start dabbling with sin and it won't be long, saved friend, before you start doubting your very salvation. You say, well, how could that be? Because you won't be able to hear the Lord's voice. Because you won't be able to feel the Lord's presence. Because you won't be able to discern the Lord's leading. And then all of a sudden you find yourself feeling lost. And friend, if that's you tonight and you struggle in this matter of assurance, if it seems just time after time after time that you struggle in this matter of knowing if you're saved or not, walk back to where you left Him. Because see, God's promise, He he won't leave you. Walk back to where you left Him and make sure that you were His to begin with. Now, I can tell you how this works because there was a time in my life when, uh, of course, saved and thankful for that and thankful for the long-suffering and mercy and forgiveness of God, but certainly wasn't living like I should have been living. And guess what? I found myself in that place. I couldn't hear the Lord's voice anymore. I'd come to the Word of God. I'd lift my my prayer, bounce off the ceiling. I'd read my Bible and it seemed like it was in another language. It just didn't make any sense. Nothing seemed to fit together, but... I I was saved. I'd pray, ask the Lord to help me. I couldn't tell if He was there or if He was a million miles away. I didn't know. I had questions in my life. What should I do? What decision should I make? I wasn't able to discern the way I should go. And all of a sudden, I found myself in a place where I felt lost. Now, would have been foolish for me just to say, well, I must be lost, and then bow my head and pray and say, God save. No, no, no. I had to retrace my steps and go back to that time where I realized I was a sinner and realized that God had given us a Savior and realized that He was willing to save me. And when I repented and I asked God to save me, and I'm trusting in His salvation, but it was the fellowship that was broken. I was still His child. But there was some problem there that needed to be worked out. And so what happened? I had to get up and go back to the Father. And you know, when you get up and you go back to the Father and you got it all in your head, I'm not worthy to be called your son. See, I'm not even saved. And then you get there and what happens? He runs to meet you, falls on your neck and kisses you. Why? Because my child, which was lost, has come home. Some things you can't afford to lose. There was a time in my life where I really struggled with that matter of salvation. I'll be the first to tell you tonight. I would have loved to in that moment later when I uh, realized all of this, instead of saying, well, I was saved way back there, 
It would have been real easy to say, well, I wasn't saved at all. I get saved now. And then all of that just goes, no, no, no. I still got the scars from my time in the far country. It's easy to lose your assurance. Look again at 1 John chapter 2. When you lose your assurance, you'll lose something else. And I could give you many verses tonight about this matter of the assurance of your salvation, but I want you to understand tonight, you didn't save yourself. You don't keep yourself saved. And if you're truly saved tonight, you say, well, you didn't do any work to save yourself. All you did was receive the gift of grace that God provided. You believed on Christ, on His finished work. You trusted Him to cleanse you from your sin and to save you, to uh, quicken your spirit and give you everlasting life. It's pretty simple how that works. And once you're born into the family of God, you're not unborn out of the family of God. My children are here somewhere. Well, there's Josh. Oh, there's Bethany. I see her now. My eyes don't work good at that distance, but... You know, I can tell you when they were born, I was there. I watched it happen. Well, I saw Bethany, but uh, they took Terry off and extracted Josh. But uh, uh, they wouldn't let me in there for for that one. But uh, I I saw them moments after they were born. Uh, I have the paper that says that they belong to me. Uh, They are, you know, my children. Nothing that ever happens in this life will make them not my children. Let me help you with that tonight, saved friend. You're born again into the family of God. He is your heavenly Father and He always will be. What great comfort that is. That He's not only just our heavenly Father, but He's a loving Father. He's a forgiving Father. That doesn't mean he doesn't have a really good leather belt that he wear you out with every now and again. And looking around, I can see why. You all need it. Amen, me too, preacher. Just throw that in. Guilty. But when you lose your assurance, when you start to doubt your salvation, there's something else you'll lose. Number two is evidence. Is evidence. This is a progression we're going to build on as we go. First John chapter 2, look at verse 5. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. That word perfected means lacking in no part. It means complete. It does not mean sinless but it means that all parts necessary are there. Now, as we look at that verse, there is a work that the Lord wants to do in the hearts and lives of His children. He desires to conform you and me into the image of Christ. And the more He works, the more evidence will be seen. So right up the road here on uh, Route 7... Uh, They're putting in a new Love's truck stop and it's supposed to have a Hardee's in it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. (laughs) And uh, they talked about it and it was on Facebook that that's what was going in there. And then all the trucks showed up and started moving dirt. Okay. 
Well, then they started to bring some other stuff in. Okay, still don't know. But here in the last weeks, they've actually set up the the roof parts that go over to pumps. And guess what? They all say loves. So now there's evidence that that's what's going in. And then in this past week, guess what they did? They put blacktop down the park. Hey, there's evidence that there's progress. You can look at that and see that stuff is moved. There's some boxes there, and I'm pretty sure that the fuel pumps are in those boxes, uh, just judging by the size. And if you all want to know what you got for Christmas, invite me over. I'll check out your wrapped packages and let you know. It's a gift. It's a spiritual gift. <laughs> It's not fair. Yeah, and you're evil for the way you tried to trick me the one time. My wife knows. I can pick up a pick up a Christmas gift and pretty much just know this is what this is. So the one year she thinks she's going to get me. So I, it's this long box. And I'm like, okay. It's about that tall. You know, it's about that long, about that wide. You know, about the size that a really nice... Well, I unwrapped the paper and the box says Thompson Center Arms. And if you know what that is, those are muzzle loader uh, guns. And so I was like, okay. But I'm holding the box. It is way too light. Have a gun in it. Instantly, my mind snapped to, well, guess who just got a new Thompson Center muzzle loader? My preacher. Guess where my wife got the box? But she didn't get what went in the box. And so she was pretty upset that I knew that it, it wasn't that. But, but uh, So I think it's fuel pumps in those boxes. That there's, but there's evidence that that is what is happening. Now, there was evidence here not too long ago uh, that right in town next to the Dutch house that they were going to put a Wendy's in. And there was a sign there that said, Coming soon, Wendy's. Well, praise the Lord, I can get me a baked potato right up the street. Guess what's not there now? The sign. There's still a foundation there. There's still some pipes there and different things like that, but no more sign that says coming soon Wendy's. And that's a whole matter in and of itself, legal issues and permits and whatever, that they failed some inspection, I guess. But there's no more evidence of growth. It just stopped. So when I talk about evidence, and we look at 1 John chapter 2 and verse 5, But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. And that means lacking in no part, completed. Hereby know we that we are in him. So if you're here tonight and saved, and I'm here tonight and saved, then there ought to be some evidence in our life that God is working. There ought to be some growth. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Let me give you the evidences of the growth. But the fruit of the Spirit, capital S, that's the evident visible result of God's inner working. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Where does fruit normally grow? On the branches of the tree. It's visible. That's why turnip is not a fruit. It grows in the dirt. 
And just let me say, that's where God meant for them to be. That's where God meant for them to stay. And you can just leave the turnips in the dirt. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. So when we think of this matter of evidence, what of that list is lacking in your life? What of that list is lacking in my... Don't You don't answer. That's for me. That's for me to answer. Just like I'm not answering for you. But when we find these things lacking in our life, it's evidence that we've lost our close fellowship with the Lord. We're not seeing the production of His fruit. Consider David in Psalm 51 and verse 12 where he says, Restore unto me. This is David's psalm of repentance. He has sinned greatly against God. And now David comes back and in verse 12 he says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. See, David realized there was something lacking in his life. What? That joy. Well, that's a fruit of the Holy Spirit of God. Consider Solomon's wisdom in Proverbs 23 and verse 8. This is a great verse. Proverbs 23 and verse 8. The morsel which thou hast eaten shalt thou vomit up and lose thy sweet words. Think about that for a minute. When we start to lack the fruit of the Spirit in our life, How quickly go away the sweet words. You say, well, what drives those? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Turn to Hebrews chapter number 10. I'll I'll get off at this point. Y'all are looking at me like you're about to be offended. So I, I just need to move along to the next point to where I can get you good. No. That was a joke. The first one that you can't afford to lose is the assurance of your salvation. The second one is the evidence of the Spirit working in your life. The third one, when you turn to Hebrews chapter 10, and uh, I gave you a head start. Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews. It's a good name for a coffee company. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, once you lose your assurance and your evidence, look what comes next in the loss column. It's number three, confidence. Confidence. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35. The Bible says, cast not away therefore. Okay, when you cast something away, what are you doing? You're losing it. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Now, wait a minute. Is that confidence in yourself? Absolutely not. It's confidence in the ability and willingness of Jesus Christ to save, 
to supply, to strengthen, and to sustain you. It's faith in His dependability. It's fellowship in His availability. It's fervency in His capability. And it's focusing upon His reliability. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Philippians 1, 6. The Bible says, Being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Friend, there is a confidence that we ought to have in Christ. But if you're doubting your salvation and you're not seeing the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in your life, that confidence is going to start to be shaken. You're going to start to doubt the goodness of God. Is God good? Yes. All the time. Whether it's bad in our life or good in our... God is good. That's it. But how easy that confidence gets shaken from time to time. See, you lose sight of Christ and you'll lose sight of the promised things to come and before long you'll lose your confidence. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. When you lose your confidence, the next thing to go... The next thing you'll lose is number four, testimony. So let's see. You lose the assurance of your salvation. You stop seeing the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Now all of a sudden your confidence is shaken. Your confidence in the Lord now. And now all of a sudden you'll see your testimony is silent. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such an one know not to eat. Why? Look at verse 33. Oh, excuse me. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. I apologize. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Why, why would Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, write such a thing? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Now consider with me, Paul is telling these people, hey, you need to keep your testimony and lose some things that are costing you your testimony. Why? Because there is mm, this idea that, well, I can just do what I want, I can just act like I want, and my testimony will be a-okay. No, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. But think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing. Wow but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. You lose, hear this tonight, 
And we, we all uh, have a tendency to struggle with these things from time to time. You lose your assurance, you lose your evidence, you lose your confidence, and you start carousing with the wicked, and next thing you know, you've wrecked your testimony. You say, oh no, not me. There are no exceptions to that. Zero. And I have watched, and look, and again, before before you get mad at me for saying this tonight, I've lived this. I've been here saying, you know what, I'm different. This won't happen to me. Yeah, it will. Yeah, it will. Consider Lot. Who the apostle Peter writes in Second Peter chapter two and verse seven, he said that he was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. How did that happen to Lot? Well, let's rewind and I'm I, I go kind of quick through this. Genesis chapter thirteen, verses twelve and thirteen. Genesis thirteen, verses twelve and thirteen. Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. That's in Genesis chapter 13. You fast forward to Genesis chapter 19 and verse 1. It says, Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. So what started with a lean and what started with a look led to him living in that wicked city. And then in Genesis 19 verse 14... Watch how this works. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. What happened? No testimony. Gone. I read a statement this afternoon, and just the timing of the Lord on this was just absolutely wonderful. A statement uh, posted by a preacher friend of mine, and it certainly stings, but it's so on point. I read it, and I was like, wow, that's good. American Christianity, this, this is his quote, American Christianity sees itself as Elijah against the prophets of Baal when it more closely resembles Lot in Sodom. Ouch! But it's true. But it's true. Why? Because the same carnal things that the Apostle Paul wrote about to the church at Corinth is where we see American Christianity today. We're going to frolic with sin. We're going to bring sin into the church. We're just going to be open about it and unapologetic about it and expect God to bless and you'll lose your testimony. It's no wonder nobody wants to be a Christian today. Read another statement this afternoon that made this statement. Forty years ago, it was not uncommon to hear holiness and separation preached on from the pulpit. And boy, that's become anathema today. That's become, oh, don't you dare talk about that. Let me tell you, God said, be holy because I am holy. We're supposed to be. We're supposed to be come out from among them and be ye separate. We're supposed to be lights in this world and instead we're covering over the light to be as dark as we can. Oh, but we're reaching people. You're never going to reach people for the Lord when you're trying to act lost like they are. 
they're going to have to see a difference. And when the lost world looks at Americanized Christianity and says, what in the world are you doing? Christians should know better. That's a sad indictment on the world in which we live. But no, no, no. You just do what you want. Live how you want. Do do as you please. No, no, no. Use not your liberty as an occasion to the flesh. Walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The problem in our world today is there's too much focus on self and not enough focus on the Savior. And what's happened as a result? We have lost our testimony. You talk to somebody about the Lord now and they'll laugh at you. Why? Well, you do this and you do this and you do that. And see, they have a memory too. And it's amazing how that works. Oh, but no, just keep watering it down. Uh Uh-uh. Turn the heat up. Boil the water. See, because that same hot water that hardens an egg softens a potato. Which one are you? Are you that hard-boiled egg? Well, don't, don't give me five point fingers tonight, so I'll just stand back here. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 3 says this. If our gospel be hid, what's the gospel? That Jesus died on the cross and was buried and rose again the third day. The gospel. But if our gospel be hid, you know the one gospel that truly saves because Jesus is the only way? If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Our testimony will find is non-existent. Our light is lost when we lose our assurance, our evidence, and our confidence. And we'll lose the testimony as a result. And I'm telling you, I know this because I have lived this. Sadly, I'm not proud of that fact. It grieves my heart to think, and we're going to talk about that in a moment when we get there, but turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. That's not very many pages there. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Let me give you a fifth one. And please hear me through this before you shut me off. The fifth thing that you can lose that you can't afford to, is health. Is health. Now, again, just just hear this. Yeah, health. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 30. We know that this is Paul now talking about the Lord's table. He's talking about the body and the blood of Christ. He's talking about the picture now when we come to the Lord's table of what it represents and why it's so serious and why it's so important. In 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 30, Paul says this, For this cause, what cause? Verse 28, But let a man examine himself. Why? Verse 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord, next word, unworthily. You realize he's writing to the church here. He's writing to believers here. Unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. I'm telling you, this isn't just a ritual that we do. This isn't just something to tack on to the end of the service. This is important. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, 
eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. And that's not you taking a nap in the pew. That word sleep means physically dead. You understand. And this is how we know that he's talking now uh, to the saved individuals because that term sleep is used for the physical body that goes into the ground when the believer dies and they're present or they're in the presence of the Lord. How? Soul and spirit. And that body will be resurrected in the last day. So he uses that term sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. What does that mean? That means pay attention to what you're doing. If we would judge ourselves, what? Examine ourselves. Pay attention to what and why you do what you do. How does it line up with the Word of God? If we would pay attention to the steps that we take, it wouldn't be necessary for somebody to come snatch us by the ear and say, wrong way. You understand tonight, if you're here and saved, God is not going to turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to His children that are straying in sin. If you're truly God's child tonight, you're not going to get away with it. You're not going to be able to live in continual sin. God is going to put a stop to that. Why? He loves us too much to not send chastening for our correction. You say, but I don't like it. I know the Bible tells us that no chastening seems joyful. But sometimes the belt is for our own good. All the time when God does it. But now understand with me tonight, God does not owe you and He does not owe me His continued care if we choose to continue to refuse to listen. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. First Corinthians 5, verse 5. This is Paul. He's writing now about this sin that's open in the church and he's given them some instruction. He says, you, you know, you ought not hang around with this fellow. You ought not let him around. This is doing great damage to a lot of people. So verse 5, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, do not, please, do not misunderstand me tonight. I know I said help. All sickness and death is not an indication of personal sin. Okay? You understand that with me tonight. All sickness, all death is not an indication of personal sin, just as health and life are not indicators of the absence of sin. But sin certainly has consequences. 
That's why it's good to examine our spiritual condition and ask the Lord to show us what needs to be corrected. That's what uh, the Apostle Paul means. Examine ourselves. You know what? I can't see everything there is to know about me or about my heart, but I know one who can. And if I'll place myself humbly at his feet and say, God, you show me what needs to change in my life. He'll show me. That doesn't mean that you ask the Lord to forgive you for sin and all of a sudden all your health issues go away either. Again, remember that child that was born blind and they asked Jesus, well, who sinned, him or his parents? What did Jesus say? Neither. But God allowed it that the blessing could come, that there could be a lesson taught through this. So all sickness and death is not an indication of personal sin. Don't accuse me tonight of being one of those prosperity preachers that says, well, if you got a sniffle, you must not be right with God. That's what they say. And what's interesting to me is some of those guys wear glasses. Think about that for a minute. Saw a picture of three faith faith healers. All three of them wearing glasses. I was like, can't one of you touch the other one and, you know, eyes healed? Mm -mm. Pay attention to this foolishness that's going on in our world today. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. For the saved, if you're lost, you need to be saved. Because that, that, you see, you're already lost. You're already without Christ. You're already condemned for the saved. The loss of assurance, evidence, confidence, testimony, and health are certainly terrible. But I want you to see one more that tops them all. In fact, these first five all factor into this last one, number six, reward. Reward. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look with me at verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. On Christ the solid rock I stand. He is the foundation. It starts with Him. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, If any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. So there's your building material. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, built upon what? The foundation of Christ. So this is from salvation onward. He shall receive a reward. Verse 15. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Do you notice that? He shall suffer loss. Can I tell you tonight, what you cannot afford to lose is your reward. I don't know about you tonight, but I want my life to count for Jesus. I don't want to stand before Christ in the judgment day empty-handed. Flip back to 2 John chapter 1. 2 John chapter 1. 
We'll be done tonight. Second John chapter 1. I don't want to stand before the Lord empty-handed. Friends, I don't want for you to stand before the Lord empty-handed. I don't want anyone that I know to have to stand there and be saved so as by fire. Oh, I'll be thankful that they're there. I'll be thankful that they're saved. I'll be even more thankful if they have something to show for it. Second John 1 verse 8. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought. What does that word mean? That means worked on, built. That we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Now, I don't know about you, but that verse right there, that one hurts. Because like I said this morning, like I've said this evening, there's much in my past since salvation that I'm not proud of. Friends, there's a lot of wood, hay, and stubble that'll be seen on that day. There's much reward that could have been possible, that would have been possible in my life that was squandered. Hang on. I cannot afford to waste the rest of my life pouting about things that I can't change. Hear that tonight. And I can't afford, by wasting time pouting about the things I can't change, losing the opportunities that I still have. Neither can you. Instead, we can choose to purpose in our hearts to faithfully spend the rest of our days working for the Savior, looking to secure all the rewards that we can from now to the end. What have you got to lose? Assurance. Evidence. Confidence. Testimony. Health. Reward. Those are six things you cannot afford to lose. Let's pray.